Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. I hope you are pumped uh, for this new series entitled uh, It Matters. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to Matthew 28. We'll be there in just a moment. But as you're turning there, uh, man, God is doing some incredible things here at our church. Um, For instance, everything is kind of kicking back off now that uh, the new year is here. School's back in session. Everybody's back from vacation. So small groups are kicking off. Our small group connect is next week. Uh, We had an incredible small group leader training this past weekend that uh, Pastor Brant led. He's doing a phenomenal job and just so, uh, so many leaders pumped and ready and excited to start new groups. Um, Our student ministry kicked back off this past Wednesday, uh, broke one of their uh, attendance records on the very first night. It's the biggest crowd they've had on like a normal night. Uh, Over 300 kids. They had some salvations. Man, it's just incredible to see uh, the life of this church growing and and how God uh, is definitely blessing. And and as James mentioned uh, just a few moments ago, the Night of Worship album coming out uh, next uh, weekend. So you'll be able to download that for free uh, for a season. And uh, if you want a hard copy, uh, we are going to charge just a small fee for that. But uh, you'll be able to download that for free and give that link to your friends and that kind of thing so that they can get it as well. And I listened to it this week. Man, it is good. Sometimes we take for granted how good these guys are, uh, James and these guys, but I'm telling you, it is good. I love it. And so uh, I've been listening to it all weekend. Um, So, um, you know, part of kind of how we do things as as far as our preaching schedules, I I try to be at least a year out in planning like how I'm going to, what we're going to talk about and those kinds of things. Right now I'm about a year and a half out. And so, uh, you know, when I come to a, a brand new series like this, and um, I come to, you know, this day, um, something that we planned, uh, that I planned a year ago in, in about seven weeks uh, in advance to each Sunday is when I actually write out the sermon. Um, and so when I picked up this sermon this week to see, you know, kind of where God had led me um, at that time and, and where we needed to be today, it always makes me laugh because it's like God always knows exactly what we need when we need it. And um, I, I find that to be true in my personal life. I find it to be true in my ministry and definitely in my preaching. And, and so um, when, I, when, I, when, I, when I come to a new series like this, It Matters, um, I titled the first uh, uh, sermon, I Love My Church. Uh, just as you saw in that video, so many uh, people expressing kind of their love and, and, and the reasons why. You know, I, I love this church. And I know some of you are like, well, of course you do, Trent. You're the pastor and, and you've got a really awesome church and, you know, you guys have a nice building. You've got cool lights and, you know, you've got a great sound system and, you know, there's a, a great cafe. Of course you love the church, but, you know, let, let, me, let me back you up to the very beginning. Um, I loved this church when we didn't have a building. We didn't, uh, couldn't afford any lights. We didn't have a sound system at all. Um, I love this church even then. You know, we started uh, the church. Um, I, I was a student pastor at Grace in Knoxville, um, Grace Baptist. And we started this church and we asked about 30 people from Grace to come out and, and to help us get it started. And uh, immediately we did a couple of big events and, 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 you know, we drew some larger crowds. But once all that kind of shook down, we had about 50 people from the community here, plus the 30 from Grace. And so uh, we started with the video venue. So my dad's sermons were being played on Sunday mornings. The very sermon he was preaching on that Sunday morning, they, they drove out the DVD after the first service there and we played it. And it was always kind of a, uh, just a um, uh, kind of a last minute, you know, we were rushing in with the, with the thing. And um, so... So dad had asked me several times, Trent, are you sure, you know, God hasn't led you, you know, to, to, to lead this church? And, 
you know, I, it, it took me, you know, about a year for that to, to, to take place. And once we finally got the church started and I was, I was coming out and helping and, and uh, just being in the, in the congregation, God just spoke to me every week. And so about three months in, um, it was like, it's time for you to, 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 to lead this church. And so I came out here and for whatever reasons, um, all 30 of the people from Grace thought that their, their ministry and their job was, you know, that completed now that I was coming. So they all went back. Um, and, and when I started, there, there were, you know, there was like 50, you know, 60 people, you know, here from the community. When I started, it was like a couple of weeks and like half of them decided to leave. <laughs> you know, even then, discouraged and depressed, I loved this church. And I loved what I knew that God was doing in my heart and in, 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 in what I thought would happen here. I loved this church when I trained the first ever small group leaders. Um, I was so excited. My wife and I, we were so pumped. We took 14 people into the mountains. I thought, let's go, to, let's go into nature. Let's get a cabin. Let's just dive in. We're going to share our vision. Everybody's going to love it. It's going to be incredible. We're going to come back and we're going to change the city of Maryville. I was so pumped. We go and we did the deal and it was fun. And, and um, you know, I thought it was, it, it was just a great weekend. And uh, we came home and 10 of those people left our church. <laughs> no joke. Two couples remained and actually started a group. And I loved my church even then. Discouraged, depressed, but praise God, not defeated. I knew he had given me a call to be here. And he gave me a love for you that I, you know, that people I didn't even know yet. Um, a group of people that I, I, I had a, a vision and, and just, I, I just trusted that God was bringing and, and establishing something for people in this community that, that I couldn't explain and, and no one else would be able to explain apart from the movement of the Holy Spirit. The point is that circumstances aren't going to dictate my love for this church and for these people. And God has called me to this church to lead this church and to love this church. And one of the main reasons why I love this church is because we understand the why behind the what here. And so when I say the why behind the what, it, what I mean is, why we do what we do. So each of us in this room are, are essentially counting on leadership. I mean, you are counting on me to lead this church. You're counting on me to, to, to lead the, the vision and the ministries of this church. Your, your grandkids, even though they don't know it, they're counting on me to lead this church. This community, even though they don't know it, they're counting on me to lead this church, those who, are, those who are, are going to accept Christ into their life. This church that I've partnered with, this city I've partnered with, this community I've partnered with, all to make disciples, and, and I love it. My question is, do you? Do you love this church? Have you partnered with us, taking ownership of God's vision in your life? Have you truly partnered with the rest of us to see this vision of making disciples come to fruition? Have you locked arms with us to make a difference? The reality is this city is not just counting on me. This city is counting on you. This city is, is counting on 
you to lead. Your grandchildren, even though that may be in the far distant future for you, they're counting on you to lead in this church. Your co-workers are counting on you to lead and, 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 and take part in the ministries and the vision here at Foothills Church. The reality is it matters because people matter. The why behind the what matters and, and, and the why behind the what we are doing is the vision. The, the vision that God has given to his church, not just our church, but, but the church. Every church meeting all across the world who gather to worship Jesus Christ as the Son of God and King of Kings. Our mission is to make disciples. It's the purpose. It's the why behind what we do and how we do it. And if we don't, under, if we don't understand it, we don't understand Jesus and we don't understand his church. We don't even understand why we're here today. The truth is, we be, what we believe determines how we behave. And you've heard that before. You've, you've lived that before. What you, what, you, what you and I believe determines how we behave. So if we believe something deep enough, then it changes our behavior. And so when we believe what Jesus said and, and we believe the word of God, it will determine how we behave. And when you believe in the mission and the, and the value and the importance of the mission, you understand how important your role is in the mission. If you don't understand how important your role is, chances are you don't have a clue how important the overall mission is. Because once you believe in the mission, then you realize how valuable and important you are in that task. Um, my, I'm, I'm a self-proclaimed pizza connoisseur, if you didn't know. I love pizza. And I know I need to watch the carbs and all that good stuff, but I love, love pizza. And the greatest pizza place, if you want to know, and the entire world, if you're taking notes, you should right now, is in Columbus, Ohio. It's called Giuseppe's. It's a little hole-in-the-wall place. Um, my parents grew up in Ohio. My mom grew up on a farm in the country uh, uh, right outside of Columbus, Ohio. And my dad grew up in the inner cities of Columbus in the, in the slums. And so um, when I was growing up, we would go to this place, Giuseppe's, and our whole family would go. And we loved it. And I have so many good memories of being in that place and, and just loving the pizza. And not long ago, a few years back, um, I got a craving. Does anybody ever have a, just get a craving for something? You know, you're just like, I need some whatever, some chocolate. You know, if you're, guys, you know, your wife is pregnant, she gets a craving. It's like, it doesn't matter what time of day it is, you got to go to the store and help her out, right? And so I got a craving for Josebi. So I went all the way to Columbus, Ohio one day <laughs> by myself almost a seven-hour trip. Uh, I did a few other things up there, granted, but the main motivation was I wanted to eat at Giuseppe's Pizza, and I ate there by myself, and I loved it, and I brought like three home and ate it all like for two weeks. It was, it was a glorious, wonderful thing, but I say that because when we believe in something, we do some pretty radical things, when we believe in something, it changes our behavior. I mean, we will do things differently. We do things differently with our time, our energy, our money, all these things that we talk about here. And, and, and so when we believe in the mission that Jesus Christ has given to the church, it changes our behavior. We believe the purpose of God's church is to make disciples. Some dismiss it, others neglect this important purpose, but we are committed to this. 
And I love my church because we want to do this. There are many ways that churches can go about fulfilling this mission, but to understand it a little bit further, what this mission is, we want to, we we really have to understand what the church is in the first place. What is the church? And so when you look at the New Testament and you see this word church, the Greek word is actually the word ecclesia. And it it literally means the called out ones or the, 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 the congregation. And in the 17th century, um, a man by the name of William Tyndall began to uh, further a, a, a cause of reforming the Roman Catholic Church. He came to this verse, it'll be on the screen, Matthew 16, guys, where Jesus says this, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my ecclesia, my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, William Tyndall got to this verse, and he decided that a translation into the English language was was necessary. And so he translated from the original language, for the first time, an English translation from the original languages. Now, this was a a huge thing because at this time, only the recognized um, institution of the church and and only priests could could, uh, uh, have the authority to read Scripture or to explain Scripture or to translate Scripture. And so, when we, when we come to this, when the Roman Catholic Church was established, they came to this word church and they believed that Jesus was proclaiming Peter as the first pope and that, that, they, that, that Jesus was going to build the church upon the rock of Peter instead of Jesus as being the rock. And so out of that theology came um, so many other really bad theologies. One of them is this understanding of the word church. And so for the Roman Catholic Church, they, they began to understand the church as an institution. And so the, the priests were of a higher order than all the normal people like us. That there was only one church and there couldn't be other churches. You couldn't just go plant a church and pastor and, and do that. You had to be under the authority of the institution of the church. And so that was the understanding. And so when William Tyndall translated the Bible and he came to this verse, he came to this word ecclesia and he looked at all the other translations, the German translations, the Latin Vulgate, and he, he began to understand from the original languages that this word means the called out ones, the congregation. And so instead of translating that word as church, he, he what I think he, he did was, was translate it correctly by naming it the congregation. So every time when you, if you were to read his translation, he translates that word as congregation or group of people. And so I think he had it right. Now, one of, one of his friends betrayed him and um, they arrested him and they strangled him and they burned his body because he was threatening their power. The power of this institution of what they knew or have known to be church. So today, we still struggle with this word. We still struggle with what the church is. We still struggle with the concept of church because for many of us in our culture today, 
we view church as a place that we come to. We view a, a, a church as a building, not as a people. And so we say we're going to church. You know, what church do you go to? And so we, we mistakenly view and have a concept of the church as a building, a place. All over the world, there are different kinds of buildings and many styles of worship but they all are a part of the prediction that Jesus makes when he says, I am going to build my gathering, my congregation, my people, and you and I are part of that vision today. Jesus wasn't predicting that buildings were gonna be built. The idea for Jesus was that it was not something that we go to, it was something that we are a part of. So Jesus isn't asking us to go to church. He's asking us to be the church. As a group of people in relationship together, all around and focused on the mission of the church. When we read the New Testament, we hardly read anything about the specifics of of how to function like uh, on a Sunday morning, like worship gathering. Um, we, We see that preaching and teaching was an incredibly important part of uh, the early church because they, they did that constantly. But it, it never says how long um, or kind of, you know, how to do that um, other than to, to, to divide and understand the word rightly. Um, never says how long a sermon should be, you know, which I always thought was funny. Um, there, there was one story in the New Testament where Peter is preaching and um, he preaches so long that a guy falls asleep and he falls out of the window and he, he dies. Remember that story? <laughs> So I try to stay right under that. (laughs) It's like many people fall asleep, but so far no injuries. Um, The the Bible says that we should take the Lord's Supper, but it never says how often we should do that. And so we just kind of do it as, you know, here we do it about every, you know, six weeks or so um, and, 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 and just make that decision. It says that we would sing, but it doesn't say, you know, what to sing or how loud it should be um, or who gets to pick the music. Um but it assumes we would sing. Um, When we ask, what else did they do? Uh, When we read the Bible, what we see is it's, it's, you know, 90% relational stuff. You remember all the one another's that Jesus, you know, tells us to do. And over and over in the New Testament, we're called to love one another. We're called to forgive one another. We're called to care and accept and encourage one another, submit to one another, bear with one another, restore one another. Um, treat each other with kindness. Sunday morning is, is part of the church experience, no doubt about it. This is incredibly important. Without this moment of gathering together around the word of God, um, we would not be filling um, the mission of the church of making disciples. But if this is your only experience in church, if, if sitting in rows is your only experience thus far at Foothills Church, you're not experiencing the full depth of what church is all about. John 13, 35, Jesus says this, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So in other words, how will the community know that you and I are disciples of Jesus Christ, that we are a part of, you know, a group of people gathering a church? How, how, is, how are they gonna, by our love for one another, But what do people typically see in the church? How how does the church 
in your experience, treat one another? For most people, they've experienced gossiping, people who don't know how to handle conflict, slander, lying. I mean, who wants to be a part of that, you know? And so the church struggles and the enemy wins. But the vision of the church for Jesus is that we would treat each other differently. In the New Testament, the meaning of the word church is not a building you visit. It's a group of people partnered together for the mission of making disciples. It's people in the spiritual kingdom of God. God's church is meeting all over the city today, all over the state, all over the country, all over the world right now in every language. People are lifting up the name of Jesus and you and I are a part of that church. And specifically, we decide to partner together here to accomplish that ministry. It matters. The vision matters. The purpose of God's church matters. It's the why behind the what in everything that we do. If you don't understand that, then we've got to grow in that knowledge because everything we do at Foothills Church, we try to make that crystal clear. Whatever ministry we decide to do, whatever, you know, a, a mission trip, how we're doing family ministry, how we do our worship service. It's all revolving around how we think, and granted, it's how we think, and, and, and how our elders think, our, our leadership think, this is done best. So let's look at Matthew 28 to get a clear vision and picture of what this mission is. And if you don't know this passage of Scripture, um, you need to know it. This is Matthew 28, verse, let's just go to 18. And Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In other words, everything is under my control. <laughs> I've, I've, I'm, I'm the king of kings. And so all, all he has every right to tell us what the main thing is. He has every right to tell us what the purpose and the vision and and. and, and why we should do anything in life. I mean, this is all authority, he claims right here. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of people that look like you. Of course not. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. So baptism is an important part of this. And baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So, so here, to, it's not just, hey, here's Jesus, here's the gospel, accept Jesus and get baptized. And it's not just, hey, show up and listen and learn. It's like discipleship and evangelism have become two separate entities in the church. And for Jesus, I think he's saying here, discipleship is not ever accomplished unless evangelism happens. And evangelism is never done until discipleship is in an ongoing, life-changing, transformational um, event in your life. And so it's not either or. It's like, you know, <clears throat> telling and sharing the gospel matters. That's why Wednesday night for students is like it is. So many kids are accepting Christ. It's why we do special services like Easter service that are dedicated to seeing people come to know Christ and baptizing them. Because that's a huge part of making disciples. And then in that, that's why I also teach through the book of John so that we dive in and we're getting t 
taught and we're learning. And so we're learning all that he has commanded us through that. And so it's, it's, a, it's a combination of, of all of these things that help us to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And he closes by saying, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We sang that song <laughs> like a bride waiting for his groom. Jesus, come. I mean, we, we're waiting for that day. It is coming and, and, and we, are, we are preparing ourselves for that day by, by championing the vision. It matters because people matter. You know, yeah, we, we want our church to grow. Why? Because people matter. And allowing them to hear the gospel and including more people into the family of God matters. At our church, we don't call our members or partners members. You guys know that. Because members gives the connotation that you have special privileges. You know? um, I'm a member of the gym here in town. But I don't participate very often. I'll just be honest. Um, but they don't kick me out because I pay my dues. And as long as I pay my dues for my membership, you know, I can show up whenever I want to. But they don't, you know, they don't really care. The word partner gives a different connotation. You know, like a partner in a law firm or, or in a business, it means that you, you're invested. And so when you become a partner, you're, in, you're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm investing in this, and so I'm going to be a part of this. And so here are a few things that means for me. I'm going to attend. I'm going to, I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. And so we expect that of our partners. And so, you know, that, that, that's just how we covenant together. And so we believe that's part of what the church is about. It's, it, it, it's people who are committing together to accomplish this vision. So a win for Foothills Church is making disciples, obviously. Um, let me close with this today. I think we're all right. Yeah, we're good. So Matthew four nineteen. what is a disciple? That's what I want to close with. Because here's, here, here's the thing. If, if making disciples is the win for us, um, you know, in basketball, Scoring more points than the other team is the win. In football, getting the, 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 the ball across the goal line and scoring is the win, um, helps you get to the win. What, what's the win for a church? Well, for our church, it's making disciples. But, but when, you, when you say making disciples, that's, that's so abstract. What, what does that mean, you know? There's so many things that that could mean, and, and there's so many ways that we could describe that. So, so we have to try to formulate a, a way to, to show and express, okay, here's what we mean by that. And so I wanted to, I wanted to carry, carry you through this today. In Matthew 4, 19, guys, can you put that, that verse up? Jesus said, said to them, he's, he's talking to these guys who are not yet disciples, they're fishermen, and he comes to them. Um, the, these men who have their own business, um, doing their own thing, and he comes to them and he says, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. So he talks to them in, in language that they would understand and that would make sense to them. Now granted, um, I don't think they completely understood what that meant at the time. But when you think through this statement, I think we learn three things as it relates to what a disciple is. And if you're taking notes, here's the first thing that it means. First of all, a disciple is one who is following Jesus. That verse says, follow me, very clearly. And so as a disciple of Christ, that means that we are following him. We are actively seeking his leadership in our life. We've invited him into our life to, to receive him by faith as our Lord and Savior. 
And so as a disciple, we follow him. It means that we recognize and accept who he is as Lord, leader, and master of our life. And so this is the head knowledge. So there's a head knowledge on on some level that we understand who Jesus is. We understand him as the son of God. That's part of how we, you know, teach our kids about Jesus and lead them to Christ is that first step of, of that head knowledge. Here is who Jesus is. Here is what he came to do. This is who he is in our life. You know, and so, so when we understand that, then we can receive him by faith. We used to be self-ruled. And now uh, that we have decided to follow him, we are Christ-ruled. Now, your attendance today does not necessarily mean you're a disciple of Jesus Christ. Any more than going to a movie this afternoon makes you an actor or an actress. You know, showing up does not mean that, that you are growing up. Um, when, we, when we look at the New Testament, we can see that, that church attendance is definitely needed. It's, it's required if we're going to grow closer to Christ, if we're going to partner with others for this mission. But simply attending doesn't mean that we're a follower of Jesus Christ. Now, if you go back to that verse, the second phrase here, when he says, follow me, he says, I will make you. So this making means that as a follower of Christ, he's making me. So a disciple in our language is someone who is being changed by Jesus. He is making you. I did a series years ago entitled Make that was all about this, like how he's changing us and how he's making us into something better. Um, and, 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 and so as a follower, that means I'm actively being transformed and, and, and I'm allowing him to change me. And so this is one where we, we begin to stumble because this is the heart issue of a disciple. If the first issue of follow is a head knowledge, this area is a heart knowledge or, or a heart experience that we are, we are submitting our heart to Jesus, allowing him to change us. And, and this is where it begins to get more difficult because the head knowledge, yeah, I follow Jesus. Well, yep, yeah, I got it. I'm following. Oh, wait a minute. I've got to be changed by him. I got to change my language. I got to change my schedule. I got to change this. Oh, oh, I actually have to forgive. Oh, I actually, you know, that, that's part of growing. Yeah. So this transformation has to take place. This is the heart level. He's taking control of our life, our thoughts, our language. Maybe you thought that following Jesus meant you would never sin or you wouldn't sin very much anymore. Um, but remember that the disciples Jesus picked were um, oftentimes rude, um, forceful, and clueless. The disciples, you know, when, when you look at Peter, I mean, he was, he was in your face. Paul was in your face. Um, you know, he was a powerful dude. And um, these guys were normal guys like us with the same sinful desires. And Jesus didn't choose them because they were special. He chose them because of his grace. And he had in mind the vision for what could be, would be, and should be in their life. So how do you measure this growth? How do you measure transformation in someone's life? I mean, that's a tough question. Because as a pastor, how do you know? Okay, are we making disciples? Well, how do you measure that? Well, is it based on our knowledge? Do people, are people learning? Are people understanding God's word better? And so that's one way that we can kind of, you know, kind of measure that. Are people learning? Are they, is, there, is there a more un, clear understanding? Um, 
And yet that's not the only thing because there's a lot of people that know a lot about the Bible, um, but that, that, that haven't applied it to their life. And so, so that can be confusing. Um, attendance on Sunday is helpful, but, but oftentimes, you know, not telling the full picture. Age sometimes, you know, we think, you know, I wish getting older made us wiser, but that's not always the case. Um, being older and, and you know, being a, a, an older Christian doesn't necessarily mean that you're maturing in your faith. So sometimes that throws us off. Um, how much do we serve and how much are we with people? Sometimes that, you know, might be a way that we um, can measure that. And yet, you know, how, I just time and time again know people that keep themselves busy doing what they think is ministry. Um, but really there's a, there's a, you know, this concept of they're doing this because it makes them feel good about themselves. And so, you know, you've got to be careful about that. Um, are, we, are we motivated by the right reasons? And when, we, when we're doing this, are we motivated by, you know, biblical uh, knowledge? And so that can, that can throw it off. So it's really difficult. Um, but ultimately, how we can see this is, is by the fruit in other people's lives, you know, by their fruit. Last week we talked about John 10, 10. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Is there a lot of stealing, killing, and destroying in your life? And, 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 and if, that's more of the, if, if that's the fruit of your life, then we, you know, that's, that's what you, know, you can look at. And so one being changed by Christ. And so that means when we come to church, we don't have to be perfect. That means when we walk through the doors, we don't have to get everything right before we, we come here to, to worship. That means that you are not in a perfect church with, uh, with, with perfect people, with perfect systems, with perfect pastors, because we are far from that. Um, very imperfect, very sinful. And so if you're like, man, I'm sinful too, then you're in the right place. But if you're looking for the perfect church, then, then this, isn't, this isn't the place. And in fact, if you, if you think that that it is, and you join, then you would make it imperfect <laughs> because we're all sinful. And so, so we're being changed and we're on that journey. And then finally, a disciple is one who is committed to the mission of Jesus. He said, follow me and I will make you, okay? So if we're following him, we're being changed by him. He's making us and we are fishers of men. So in that one verse, he gives us really what a disciple is. And so he says, I'm going to make you fishers of men. In other words, you're going to be committed to the mission of making disciples. You're going to be committed to the mission of Jesus. And, and the great commission of Matthew 28, Jesus put disciple making into a language that these you know, average fishermen would understand. Fishers of men are those who work to fulfill Christ's command to make disciples of all nations. And so if the first, you know, the follow is a head knowledge and the second is, is a heart thing, this area is, is a hands and feet uh, section or, or the hands and feet motivated area of what it means to be a disciple. And so it means that we are actively serving and being the hands and feet uh, of Jesus. Our small group just a, a couple months ago went and served at CARM together. That's Knox Area Rescue Ministries. And so we're, you know, we're feeding homeless and we're hanging out, spending time meeting people and, and, and doing that. And so taking what we, you know, have been learning from God's word and then together applying that, you know, in a practical way where we're just serving people. And so, you know, th th this is one of those things that, you know, allows us to grow. This is how God makes us. This is how God grows us when we're, when we're the hands and feet of Jesus, And so we're joining him on this mission to love and to reach a lost and hurting world. 
And so if you came to FC for an, from another church, um, maybe, no, not maybe, definitely you were used to a certain church culture and you were used to a certain way of how church was done. You were used to a certain way that a pastor, you know, did certain things and that, you know, uh, the congregation acted. And then you came to Foothills Church and you noticed something was different. And as you noticed that difference, um, maybe you enjoyed that and you liked that. But you always tend to fight and, and lean towards what you're comfortable with and what you know. And so sometimes there's always that, well, you know, I like it, but it's not what I'm used to. And so that change is constantly, um, I think, it, in, in the back of our minds in a lot of ways. And so if we, if we come with that church culture, um, whether you realize it or not, it can be affecting your growth as a disciple. Because maybe for you, church is just a place to come on Sunday. Maybe for you, church is, you know, where the pastors do all the work and you just, you know, sit and watch. Maybe for you, church, uh, for you is all about, you know, what you can get out of it. And so if you're getting stuff out of it, then you're happy. But if you, you don't perceive that you're getting anything out of it, then, you know, you're quick to, to, to move on. You see, when we partner together, we're saying that we're here to add value to each other. We're here not just to point out problems, we're here to point out solutions and, and areas of, of, of ways that we can minister more effectively together. And so that's what it means when we show love to each other, when we, when we work and partner together in this, in this mission. Um, and there's no doubt about it, when, when you do this, you're, you're in a battle, you're in a spiritual battle. You know, this is a spiritual battle. Ephesians 6 talks about it very clearly. As we're trying to combat darkness in this city and in this world, we're trying to take the gospel, you know, into areas of Haiti that have never heard the gospel, where other religions rank supreme and, and there's adversity there. And the same is true in, in our own communities here. There's going to be spiritual battles. There's going to be some intense things that the enemy throws our way. And so the challenge for us today is, is to understand this vision, is to embrace this vision, to, to realize that it matters. It matters for your family, your children, this community, this world, that you participate. It really matters. It makes a difference. The vision makes a difference in every area of your life as you commit to it, as you follow it. It's why we're here. So each of us need to come here especially on a Sunday morning, expecting to, to learn something and, and gain something for our head, that, that knowledge component, and to be challenged as well. And that's that heart component that we talked about. And then we want to leave, not saying that we, you know, we'll see you at church next week. We leave as the church, being the church to the people we work with in our homes on, e on an everyday, regular basis. See, that's one of the main philosophical areas, I think. People expect a program, you know, for, for different things to take place in order to grow people. But, but as we have seen this, you know, in our culture, it's us having, you know, and doing life with other people, you know, as we're shopping, as we're coaching Little League, and whatever you're involved in, you are that missionary. And, and, and have that missionary mindset as we leave today as the church.
And I'm telling you, there's, two, there, there, there's three areas, essentially. You know, it's, it's learning God's word. And so we do that on Sunday morning. That's a huge part of that. It's learning on your own God's word. It's serving in ministry. And it's getting in a small group. Because it's in that small group that you accomplish the first thing a little bit easier and a little bit more frequently as far as learning. And then also you're able to practice all of that stuff when you're in relationship. You know, when it talks about, when Jesus says forgiving and he talks about how important forgiving is, well, how, do, how can we practice forgiving unless people hurt us? <laughs> and so people hurt us and then we can practice forgiving. And so when we say, Jesus, make us more like you, it's really a dangerous prayer. We're really offering ourselves up for some things. And so we, we shouldn't be surprised when, when the challenges happen, but we cling to Jesus and we cling to his mission and we cling to the fact that it's with the people that love us and that we're connected with that allow us, you know, when, 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 when things go wrong, that, that rally around us and lift us up and, and help us walk through these difficult seasons of life. And, and so we're, we're asking you to realize that it matters today. The vision matters. Are you in love with this church? Are you championing the cause of this church if we love this church, we love our mission, then we can rally together and accomplish more and greater things together and change more people's lives and see more young people come to know Jesus and, 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 and we can see more life transformation take place. And so um, we want to close with, with, with a short video and, and a reminder that next Sunday is our small group connect. And so um, if you're not connected, man, I want to encourage you to pray through it this week and um, challenge you, if you're not partnered, if, you, if, if you're not connected, that this year it would be a change. It would be something different for you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your truth. And I thank you for our church. And we pray, God, that you would just um, help us to be passionate about your mission, to be passionate about this vision. Help us to believe that it matters and help it to shape our behavior. And so for those that aren't engaged, I pray that they would engage. And Lord, we ask for your blessing and your power as a result. In Jesus' name, amen.